Welcome to the Laurie Lawrence podcast, Stuff the Silver, We're Going for Gold. This podcast came about by me wanting to value add to my online swim teacher and coaching platform, WorldwideSwimSchool.com. It was simply an idea that I'd read and share chapters of the two books that I'd written about my eight Olympic Games adventures. And when I run out of chapters, I'd interview some of the great sportsmen and sportswomen that I'd encountered over the 50 years of my international coaching career. Tell your friends, if it helps one person expand their lives a little or achieve their dreams, it will have served the purpose. If it doesn't do this, try at least to remember, the harder you work, the harder it is to surrender. This one is about a young kid, a 15-year-old kid that I coached, who in my opinion was the greatest distance swimmer the world has ever seen, and that's Stephen Holland. I took this kid to Sydney when he was just 15 years of age. A few months later, he made the World Championship team. Then, at the old Valley Pool in Brisbane, Steve broke his first world record. In fact, Steve broke two world records in the one race. He broke the 800 metre world record on the way through to breaking the world 1500 metre record. It was an unbelievable performance and I went crazy. This was my first official world record. I knew it would happen because Steve had broken the world record in training at that little 25 metre pool at Hurstville and became the youngest ever male world record holder. From Valley Pool, it was on to Belgrade, Yugoslavia, the World Championships. There, at those World Championships, Steve astounded the world. He went out at breakneck speed. He was shy, skinny, nervous. At the 800 metres, he tumbled and broke the world record. Well, that was it for me. I went straight up into the grandstand where all the Yank coaches were, stood in front of them, raised my hands and said, well, get that into you. Steve was in the pool, he was pumping, and I was pumping too. 30 laps coming up, the end of the 1500, my first world champion. I was ready to give it to the Yanks. Steve came in, but instead of touching, he tumbled and went again. The rest of the field didn't know what's happening. They tumbled and chased him. First time in the history of an international race had the 30-lapper become a 32-lap race. Steve came in at 32 laps. He was focused. He tumbled and went again. The rest of the field weren't so stupid. They stopped. And a white-clad official jumped in and shook Stephen and stopped him. I was crazy. I turned to the Yanks and said, Look, maths is not Steve's best subject. There it was. 15 years of age, double world record, and the youngest ever male world swimming champion. You beauty. 15 years of age and the youngest ever world swimming champion. The world was his oyster. But let's get on with the story about Stanley, Steve Holland. It's 5am. The sun's early rays filtered through the clouds, gently bathing the training pool at Carina in a soft pre-dawn light. The first faint tinges of pink were just illuminating the sky. A beautiful sunrise was unfolding. 
But a group of bleary-eyed young swimmers couldn't have cared less about that. Each one of them had dragged themselves out of bed at this ungodly hour in a private and determined quest. Their aim was a united one, to make the 1974 Australian Commonwealth Games team to Christchurch, New Zealand. The swimmers all crowded around this thin slip of a boy under the paste clock at the deep end of the pool. They stretched and yawned and talked of the weekend just gone. Filthy surf at Corumban yesterday, the skinny kid enthused, as he adjusted his goggle straps on the back of his head. Too bad it was a bit big for you, Stanley, chipped in Norm Rabjohns. Norm was the national Ironman champion and Corumban Surf Club captain. Norm was the eldest statesman of the group. It takes a man to go out into that big surf, said Norm. I went out, the youth protested, taking his goggles off and turning indignantly to face Norm Rabjohns. Oh, you didn't go past waist-deep, Stanley. Not past waist-deep, kidded Norm. Norm, you know I went out to the shark nets, protested the young swimmer. Fair goes, Stanley. The last time you got that far out, I had to take the rubber ducky to rescue you, ribbed the Corumban captain. More like the Westback helicopter, yelled another swimmer, keen to get in on the ribbing and shyacking. It was then I arrived on the scene and barked, Enough chatter, ten eight hundreds, use the first one as warm-up. Oh, this was one of my favourite workouts. I got it as a young coach when I went to America and observed the great Sherm Chavor who coached Mike Burton, Debbie Meyer, Mark Spitz. And this was the first workout I ever saw Sherm give. Ten eight hundreds. I couldn't believe it. I had barely finished speaking when the youth, known affectionately as Stanley, dived into the water and started effortlessly down the first of a 200-lap training session. He had two laps on the board before anyone else started. Well, that's the only way I know how to shut Stanley up, Norm, I said. Put him in the water. How's he going down at the club? Good, Laurie. The boys give him a bit of a raggin, but it keeps his feet on the ground. He does his patrols, same as everyone else, He's treated just as one of the boys, even though he's a double world record holder. Oh, no chance of him getting a big head down there, eh? I asked. No way. Now look, fitness-wise, it can't hurt him either. He spends about six hours in the water paddling or surfing. Good, I mused as I watched Stanley Tumbleturn and slide effortlessly through the water. I want him to win the 1500 gold medal in Christchurch, I said. I scrutinised his stroke as he sped away and wondered how I could give the boy the competitive edge. I studied his technique. It was unusual, but rhythmical, strong and correct. It incorporated a powerful two-beat kick that enabled his hyperextended knees and over-flexible ankles to be utilised for maximum propulsion. I can't improve that, I thought. He's been well taught by his father, Roy. 
The only thing I can give him now is a philosophy of training so that he will strive to be the best athlete he can possibly be, both physically and mentally. If I can teach him to concentrate on preparing to be tops in strength, mental toughness and physical condition, he can always go into competition confident and prepared to race tough, to race anyone who comes up against him. He flipped again, splashing water over my good shoes. It stopped my daydreaming. Come on, Norm. Jump in there behind Stanley. He's six laps ahead of you already. He sure is. He's like a bloody well-oiled machine. He just doesn't stop or tire, replied Australia's champion Ironman. And he dived in on Stanley's feet. The youth looked back over his shoulder, saw Norm and gave a wry smile. With two or three hard kicks, he picked up the pace. He wasn't going to have anyone drag on him. Stanley was the affectionate nickname given by the Corumban Clubbies to Australia's only world record holder at that time, the remarkable Stephen Holland. I want to reiterate that in 1973, at just 15, he became, and still is, the youngest ever male to break a world record. This slip of a boy with the hyper-extended knees who was always first into the water at training was destined to change the face of freestyle distance swimming around the world. He became the youngest ever world champion. He was responsible for taking the world record from 16 minutes to 15 minutes. It was Steve who changed all modern thinking on how to swim the event and it all started on an eventful day at the Valley Pool in 1973 when I... As a young coach, with bushy sideburns, frantically cheered and waved on my youthful charge, who was ploughing up and down the pool. Steve broke two world records in the one race that day, and thus erased the name of the champion American Mike Burton from the record books. Two weeks before the 1974 Commonwealth Games in Christchurch, I flew back to my old stamping grounds in Townsville to visit my dad on Magnetic Island. Steve's grit and talent had overcome great hardships and he was now a member of the Australian team in training for the Games. While on Magnetic Island, I ran into John Lyons, an old school pal. Hi mate, I'm off to Christchurch next week to my first Commonwealth Games. We're gonna give those Kiwis a better stick. I'm coaching Steve Holland, the world record holder. Now Lyonsy was a sports freak and his eyes lit up at the mention of the games and of course of the great Steve Holland. How's he going? he asked. He's just coming good, I answered. What do you mean? I thought he was the world record holder. He is, but after the world championships he hurt his elbow in training for this meet. How'd he cope? Well, mate, it's been bloody tough. He had a needle in his elbow to drain the fluid and he couldn't swim for six weeks. What? He couldn't swim for six weeks. What did you do? Well, he ran. He rode a stationary bike. And he kicked for six weeks to keep up his aerobic fitness. 
He's only been swimming seriously for just four weeks. Can he win? He's a champion, and champions can do anything. I wish I could go with you, said Linesy. What's stopping you? Well, nothing, I suppose, he replied. Come on over, I urged. I've got no tickets, he replied. Neither have I, but that's not stopping me. But you're on the team. Oh, no, no, I'm not. No, no, I'm not on the team. I'm just going to walk through with the team. You're not. Mate, I did it in Belgrade, and the security there was tighter than a fish's ass. You're kidding. Mate, nothing is going to stop me seeing Steve win. It'll be a piece of cake to get through security on friendly soil. In Yugoslavia, the guards had automatic machine guns. Oh, and I got through there. It'll be fun trying to put one over the Kiwis. I reckon it'll be easy. It's amazing what guards will do for a few kangaroo pins. I've got no money, he protested weakly. Look, ring Clokey at CBA Travel. He's always advertising fly now and pay later. Come on, Linesy. Fly now and pay later. We can have some fun. Do you think I could be taken for a swimmer? inquired John as he started to weaken. No, 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 not bloody likely, I laughed. A gymnast? No chance. What about an athlete? No, no, you couldn't. I could be a hammer thrower. Yes, you could, I laughed. What about accommodation? Sleep on the floor at my joint. I've got access to a rugby player's unit. He's away for a month. After a few beers at the Picnic Bay pub and a few more beers in Dad's kitchen, some reminiscing on the good old days at school and around the Trebrook pool took place. Memories were rekindled of Olympic champions Dawn Fraser, Murray Rose, John Devitt, John Henricks. Finally, it was settled. John Hammerlines resolved to be on the plane for Christchurch. Next day, John bought a plane ticket to New Zealand and a shining new hammer. Unbelievable. If I'm going to be a hammer thrower, I'd better look the part, he laughed, holding up his Bunnings hammer. A week later, we touched down in Christchurch. We were like kids with a new toy. Thanks to the priority stickers I got from a mate in Qantas, our luggage was first on the revolving chute. What luck! We collected it and wheeled the trolley quickly to the exit door for customer clearance. Let's get out of here quick. I can't wait to check out this rugby player's unit, I said. OK, replied Hammer, but first... Just let me have one little dig at this Kiwi customs officer. Be careful, I said, as John sidled up to the officer. We're here for the games, said John. Good, said the bloke, obviously not interested. We should win some medals. Most of the medals. Good, he replied without expression, but the hairs on the back of his neck bristled a little. We don't expect the Kiwis to win anything, said Hammer. Really? said the customs officer quietly fuming. 
We know you won't win anything in the pool because 90% of Kiwis can't swim. Well, that was the last straw, the straw that broke the camel's back. What's in that bag? snapped the officer. Hammers, replied John flippantly. I suppose you train in paddocks. Yep, sheep paddocks. My dad has a sheep farm. It would be bigger than New Zealand. Linesy was enjoying himself. Good, hissed the customs officer. Open your bag and show me your shoes. John looked stunned. Your shoes, the Kiwi officer snapped. We have very stringent quarantine laws over here. We can't have any disease brought into our country via soil on some Aussie sheep farmer's shoes. He turned to me and said, You're okay, but your friend could be some time. He turned away and yelled over his shoulder, Charlie, give this smart-ass Aussie sheep farmer guy a brush and show him where the hot water is. An hour and a half later, Hammer John Lyons walked through customs with the cleanest shoes in New Zealand. Round one to the Kiwis. I looked at John. Mate, more bad news. There's a message for me on the board. It says, Laurie, my mum needs the unit. I've booked you in at the White Heron Motel. You should be comfortable there, mate. Jake. I collected the luggage and wheeled it out. Hammerlines was at it again, this time with a Maori cabbie bailed up. He was giving him an earful and teaching him an Australian haka. Well, we loaded the luggage and jumped into the back of the cab. White Heron Motel, driver, called Hammer, and settled back to enjoy the ride and soak up views of the New Zealand countryside. The cabbie sat still, didn't move. A minute later he asked incredulously, White Heron Motel? For a horrible moment, it raced through my mind that we must have booked into some low dive. My fears, however, were unfounded. Fifty metres later, he slammed on the brakes, jerked to a stop, jumped out of the cab, stuck his head through the back window and spat. Here's the White Heron Motel, and that'll be $1.45. And for your information, that's made up of a $1.40 flagfall and five cents for the trip. And I might throw in an extra dollar for handling the luggage. Cheap, retorted Hammer. Pay him, Laurie. I couldn't believe it. What a start. We'd kicked off as candidates for the Guinness Book of Records. Yes, we were going to win the shortest taxi ride ever. 50 metres. The cabbie slammed the door, spun his wheels and roared out of the driveway like a young hoon back to the tail of the cab rank. I could see that this was going to be a great couple of weeks with John Hammer Lyons. Next day, we rose early, called a cab, and headed for the pool. I wanted to be there early. It's a habit I picked up from my old man. I dressed in a borrowed Aussie tracksuit and filled my pockets with kangaroo pins. These would be my pool passes. I had no formal accreditation for these games, 
but I was determined to be poolside when Steve broke the world record. It seemed funny thinking about world records when this preparation had been so badly interrupted by his elbow injury. But Steve was a champion. He was all class. He could accept the exhilaration of victory and the agony of defeat in a stride. But personally, he hated the agony of defeat. He would rather have a tough training session because often he'd say to me, Laurie, the pain of a hard workout stops immediately the training session stops, but the agony of defeat stays with you for a lifetime. Laurie, that's why I train so hard. Even in the adversity of injury, he took a special pride in trying to win and break the world record. One thing was certain. I was going to be there to see him win. We needed a plan. The first thing I had to do was get to know security before competition started. Hammer dressed up in one of Steve's old tracksuit tops that I'd grabbed for him. Of course, it was four sizes too small, but it was green and gold. And that was the important thing. Now, we were as ready as we were ever going to be. I looked at Hammer and I shook my head. I don't know how we're going to swing it when they see you, mate. No problems. Remember, I'm a hammer thrower, he replied and tapped the hammer fondly. He'd been carrying that blessed thing since we decided to go to the games. We'll tell them I've just come off a course of hormone growth pills, he laughed. They're Kiwis. They'll believe anything. Our cab pulled up outside the athletic stadium. Our cab pulled up outside the athletic stadium. This was the main games complex and the swim stadium was part of it. We inspected the track and stood patiently on the pool steps, trying to look inconspicuous as we awaited for the arrival of the Australian swimming team. This was one of the most difficult assignments I'd ever tackled. It was even more difficult than getting a tired Tracy Wickham out of bed at 4.30 on a cold winter's morning. But once I'd accepted that it was impossible to hide or disguise a 95 kilo man carrying a hammer and wearing a green and gold tracksuit, four sizes too small, then the task became easy. Discipline your thinking, Laurie. What is the main objective? I asked myself. What are we here for? These were simple little exercises that I regularly gave my swim team to keep them focused and alert and moving towards their goals. The main objective, of course, was to get into the swimming stadium without tickets, accompanied by a large hammer thrower who liked nothing better than ribbing kiwis. We've got to get to know security, Hammer, I said. Okay, how do we do it, he said. Simple. We've got to make them believe we're part of the Australian team. And how do we do that? We've got to watch, be observant, and wait for our chance. We must stalk cautiously. The guards were on a rotation roster and the new shift was beginning to arrive. 
we seized our opportunity and smiled at each new arrival. Here, have a pen, mate, I ventured to one particularly friendly chap. Thanks, mate. Got any more? I've got three kids at home. No problems, called Hammer, jumping to his feet and taking three kangaroo pins out of his tracksuit pocket. Boys or girls? questioned Hammer as he handed over the pins. Three boys. Swimmers? No. Rugby players. Really? Rugby players? exclaimed Hammer. Um, Laurie here played rugby for Australia in the 64 tour. He was a wallaby. He toured New Zealand with the wallabies before he became Australian swimming coach. No kidding? The security guard's eyes lit up. Yep, he's coaching Steve Holland, the kid who just broke the world record by 23 seconds. The guard's eyes lit up even brighter and wider. He was really impressed. We had found our man. See you inside when the rest of the team arrive, I ventured as he walked away. What do they do? Oh, about a half an hour. We'll wait. No, 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 no. Come in now and have a cuppa. Two minutes later, we were inside, boiling the jug in the security guard's back room, making them cups of tea and handing out kangaroo pins. I felt so proud. We had infiltrated enemy territory. We were in like Flynn. The swimming team arrived, but by now we didn't need them. We had organised our own tickets via the magic of kangaroo pins. Just one week later, we watched Steve Holland break another world record. What a man. I mean, what a boy. Thank you for listening to this latest episode of Stuff the Silver. We're going for gold. To stay up to date with all episodes, please subscribe to this podcast. For more information, visit laurielawrence.com.au. It's alive!